listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. All right, Katie, we are rolling. So thank you so much for, for being here, for being willing to share your story. You know, we talked before I hit record and there's so much about trauma and death in, in your, you know, in your line of work, but also in your life. And so I know, um, there's so many elements to a story of loss whenever you've experienced so much. And so I, I'd love to invite you to get started wherever you feel like your story begins. Thank you. And thank you for all that you bring and all that you are. Um, I'm really um, honored to share my story with you here. Um, I think I'll just start by saying that I'm based in London. Um, so yeah, interesting take. I think a lot of your guests are um, American. Um, and yeah, I, I think one of the first things to mention is that I, I have actually done, um, death doula training here in London, which I did in, uh, started in 2019. And, um, at that time I hadn't actually really experienced true loss or, or kind of suffering grief, um, and I was really interested, I was really drawn to the work because um, for me, it feels so important. Um, endings feel important. And I feel like our society does them really badly. Um, and somehow I was kind of, I went to get some death cafes and um, stumbled upon this course and I did it and I kind of found my tribe. And I feel like, yeah, the course is, um, is so moving. Um, and then I, I did start working in hospice, so working with people at the end of their lives and kind of um, bringing in tools like guided meditation, visualization tools to kind of anchor and create calm in those in those um, really transitional times with family as well, family of, of the person who is approaching end of life. Um, and I started working with private clients, but really my, my learning had been through books, through um, reading, through videos, it, none of it was kind of experiential learning. So I think that's just quite interesting to start with because it feeds back around um, at the end and where I am now. Um, so yeah, I did that training in 2019 and in 2020, um, I got pregnant with my daughter Ada um, in August, 2020. Um, I was super lucky with that. Um, fertility wise we we kind of uh, me and my partner Josh um been together for about four or five years at that point we we it was during COVID just just in that weird break that we had um in in the UK between lockdowns um and we just kind of started leaving things open and got pregnant pretty quickly and I think um, I was really consciously calling her in and I was super lucky with my pregnancy. It was completely, you know, normal. Um, I had no, no issues. I was completely naive or, um, coming up to the birth. Um, I found the midwifery care at that time here 
was really disjointed because of COVID. There was no consistency with care. It was like different midwives and that kind of unsettled me slightly. I was always in my appointments alone. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't really see my family. So nobody saw me pregnant. So it was quite like insular pregnancy, which I think isn't really that normal. Um, we should have support and, you know, uh, people around us at, at that time. Um, Cause it's a huge initiation. Um, but I feel like I was sort of blissfully unaware of any of the dangers. Um, I didn't, that didn't really come into my head at all. Um, and up until, um, yeah, I, I wanted a home birth and my, my mum's a homeopath. I should say I'm quite sort of holistic. I've always um, gravitated towards natural um, um, healing. I've never really had kind of... Um, conventional medicine as such or obviously if I need antibiotics I'll get them but I always try to look for the the natural um resource first um so I wanted the home birth they were banned in this area at the time um and they told me that if I had a home birth um no midwives would come and no ambulance would come if there was an emergency and I would have to call an uber so um which is crazy um so I was like not comfortable with that um and my mum couldn't even be there really because it was covid we weren't allowed other people so um that was like the start of my stress I guess I was getting stressed because I think when you're pregnant um trying to decide where to give birth you want to be super comfortable and already for me I I avoid like hospitals and that kind of thing anyway um so things weren't lining up for me um I found a, a good birthing center and I was quite happy with that by the end. Um, but I was, I got to 42 weeks. So it was two weeks overdue um, technically. And they just started to really apply a lot of pressure to, to um, be induced, to um, get sweeps, um, to have a kind of backup plan. Um, and this really wasn't conducive to my going into labor and being relaxed and you know all of the good juicy hormones coming in and helping that to happen um so I ended up agreeing to three sweeps which I believe was the beginning of um a cascade of interventions that led to a very traumatic birth um the sweeps were very painful um quite invasive and um it really felt like I didn't have a choice at that stage because I had to give birth by the Friday. Otherwise I would have to go into hospital. So I, every day I was like, oh, I don't want to be in the hospital. I want to be in the birthing center. So trying to get her going. So this all got quite stressful. Um, I went into a sort of false labor that week and it was um, very stop start. Um, it was ramping up and then it would stop if I lay down and it was kind of didn't quite feel right um I ended up walking around a field because I just when it was walking it was coming on when I was walking it was coming on stronger and I started to go go into labor um went to the birthing center my my waters broke in the car and really from that point I don't really I don't remember a lot um I was in a lot of pain which I think after doing a debrief and speaking to other birth doulas and and midwives since because this sweep um was kind of really encouraging her to come down 
when she wasn't ready. She she had been, um, you know, unsettled and was trying to come down, but wasn't quite engaged, wasn't right, quite in the right position. So it was excruciatingly painful. Obviously, labour is, is painful, intense. Um, we use these words, but this was, I couldn't really cope with, with it. Um, and I'd done hypnobirthing and, and I had, yeah, really, really prepped and I was completely out of control. I, I couldn't handle it. So um, I had this pethidine um, injection, which I was allergic to and ended up being violently sick. Um, I was laboring all night, so it was about 12 hours. Um, and they were telling me that I was um, going backwards. So like failing to um, progress um, all these words that you start, that start kind of disempowering you. Um, so I'd gone from like four centimeters to two centimeters to six centimeters to one centimeter. And it, it was like, she was coming up and down trying to find her way out. Um, and so by 6 a.m., I'd been there for 12 hours. They they didn't want me there anymore because I'd gone past my 42 weeks, right? And I was suddenly high risk. So they called an ambulance and um, I was taken to the hospital, um, the Royal London. And um, during the ambulance rides, and my partner was now not allowed to come um, with me in the ambulance, even though he'd been with me for that, for that whole part of my labor. Um, that was the most intense part of my labor. So it was the, I was sort of strapped down and, and couldn't, you know, be active. And that was um, probably when I was dilating the most. When I got to hospital, they um, examining me saying, yes, you're now 10 centimeters and kind of talking about forceps and that kind of thing. Um, but then I was in so much pain and I was so exhausted. I was basically begging for an epidural at that point, which is something I never thought I would have asked for, but that's really what I wanted. Um, and then the classic thing happened where obviously that then went into my daughter's bloodstream and her heartbeat lowered. Um, and so all the alarms went off and it was now an emergency C-section situation because she's already engaged she started to come down um it was quite a violent c-section um and she then suffered a seizure when she was born and didn't breathe for a long time I think uh, maybe seven minutes and they just took her away um so I was then in recovery um my partner had to leave I was on my own because of covid um, my my parents couldn't come and that's really where the trauma happened. Um, I didn't know for eight hours, no one came to tell me that she was alive or dead. No. Um, then my blood pressure was going up and up and up and up and up. And they were just coming in and checking that, really not doing anything else. Um, and there was like a disconnect between the NICO um, department and the kind of uh, where I was on the on the maternity ward um, and I said you know I don't know what's happened to my daughter they wouldn't I hadn't I wasn't allowed to even see her they just took her away um, um, at 3 p.m so she was born at 7 21 a.m um, 3 p.m uh, the doctor came to tell me from Nico that she suffered a seizure and maybe brain damaged um, 
And so for eight hours, I didn't know. And I was kind of already like she said, um, I fucked this up. Um, you know, don't connect to her. Like that's, you failed, you know, you've done it wrong, all of that. Um, and then I, yeah, something happened there where I kind of just um, went into complete shutdown mode. Um, and then by 8 p.m., they let my partner back in. He'd done a COVID test and then they'd suddenly said he was okay to come in. And um, we went to see her and she was in a medically induced coma. Um, uh, so they bring their body temperature right down so that to mitigate brain damage. Um, and she was on morphine, so she was completely out of it. Um, I wasn't able to hold her for five days. Um, and by day five, um, she had an MRI scan, um, at which point she she was fine. They just, um, everything they had done, she'd responded super well to. Um, so all that to say, um, After that um, experience, I had suffered from PTSD because um, I was so anxious all the time. Uh, I was guarding her like a dog and basically any um, thing out of my control uh, would send me into a com complete panic. So I was like literally guarding her like a wolf. Um, and I was so heightened and my cortisol was so high constantly that even when she was asleep, I couldn't sleep. So it was like um, a very difficult, uh, yeah, first few months, but also first year. I also had this impression that, um, it. I mean, it was very disempowering, the whole experience. It was kind of like, I'd done it wrong. You you can't, you're, you're overdue. We need to intervene. And now, you know, your baby is um, almost dead because you couldn't give birth properly. Um, and it all felt like my fault. Um, but I've later realized that actually, I think if I'd have trusted my intuition and allowed her to come when she was ready, I don't think it would have ended like it did. Obviously people say to you, well, at least she's alive and she's healthy, which I'm so thankful for, of course, but, but there's also, there's a lot of trauma there that didn't maybe perhaps have to be. Um, but this kind of um, trust of the body was huge for me. And I really just felt so disconnected from my womb, from uh, the scar. It was like I'd literally been severed something. It was very difficult to kind of, after that, um, connect to my sexuality, connect to my um, who I was before. I'd had her um so my my journey from maiden to mother was like completely unceremonious and uh painful um so that's the first um a chapter um the, the next part of my story um uh goes talks to miscarriage and um pregnancy loss and um so when Ada was one, um, I found out 
around then I was pregnant. Um, and I had, I think, again, been leaving it a bit open, obviously, you know what you're doing. Um, I think subconsciously I was trying to heal something um, with this new pregnancy and um, kind of believe in my womb again. But I, to be honest, I wasn't ready for that pregnancy. I was still super depleted. I was still um, nursing, as Americans call it, breastfeeding. Um, and I was overwhelmed when I found out. Um, but I, I was, you know, really excited and, and um, looking forward to advocating for myself this time and having a different experience with with the birth um at um so I would have been I was 11 weeks pregnant um 11 weeks I started to bleed and um it was very subtle at first um and then it ramped up and I was at my parents house so I went to I called here, we have, um, you call up to get advice from the yeah, NHS and they said, go to A&E um, because I wasn't, I didn't have my midwife team near me. Um, so go to the early pregnancy unit basically. So my dad came with me and by that time I'd been um, starting to ramp up the bleeding. It was like a heavy, a heavy period. Um, and they confirmed that um, there was no heartbeat and that the baby um, had probably died around six, uh, seven to eight weeks. Um, I really, again, like just went into this sort of like shut off zone. Um, the doctor that was doing this internal scan, which as you probably know is again, really unpleasant and quite violating in, in some ways. Um, kind of the, the way he spoke to me um, and the way I was sent away was, was really similar to how I'd been treated before in some senses, but it was, um, I got a leaflet, which wasn't even really printed out properly. It was like sort of dodgy nineties leaflet that said your miscarriage. Um, and I got, um, you know, it's already started. So you might as well wait and and wait for it to happen naturally it's a bit like a heavy period um have a nice day is actually what he said to me as I was walking out um and I I really hope the look in my face kind of told him how I thought about what he just said um and in retrospect I wish I had said that's a really insensitive thing to say um I still might write to them and and give him a lesson on that but um so I ended up going home and I was at my parents um house with Ada um just waiting really for the, the miscarriage to start didn't really know what to expect um the bleeding ramped up quite quickly I think because I was breastfeeding it kind of actually stimulated like the um, uterus to contract um and I put my daughter to bed and I started getting contractions and I obviously had been in labor before so I knew um what that pain was what that feeling was um only this time I was at home I wasn't in hospital um I had already had a conversation with my mum that I wanted to do this naturally I wanted to stay at home 
I didn't want to go to hospital. And they told me that if you bleed through more than two pads, call, call the ambulance. Um, you bleed through like 20 pads. And I, I know that you're comfortable. I hope you're comfortable with me being blunt with, with being honest about the blood. Um, and I think this is a huge thing because um, when we miscarry, we see blood and our whole lives, I feel like we're taught to hide this blood. We're taught to cover it up, to wrap it up and put it in the bin. Don't look at it, don't smell it. Um, when you miscarry, you are confronted with something that is so alarming because we haven't been informed correctly. And it's so traumatizing because if we had the knowledge, if we'd been taught at school, if we'd seen birth, if we'd had, if people talked about this more, well, luckily with people um, like you as an advocate, we are starting to be more honest. But I'd never um, seen that much blood in my life. Um, and obviously it's really scary um, because you think you're gonna die. You literally have never seen that much blood outside someone's body before. Um, and it's, um, it's raw, it's everywhere. It's, there's bucket loads, you stay on the toilet. Um, and this happened for hours, for maybe two hours, I think for me. And the, the gestational sacs are big um, at a three month loss, um, kind of the size of my hand. Um, and you kind of don't know what's coming out. You, you don't know what's what. Um, my mum was there. Um, I was getting very dizzy and we were getting quite unnerved um, and we phoned 111 which is the number here that you phone and after about half an hour it was like being passed from person to person to person I spoke to a midwife and thank god she was talking sense and she said it is gonna look like that um, I thought so they were about to call an ambulance and had just started to subside um, so yeah, I feel like it's really important to just talk about those blood mysteries. And actually, for me, it was trusting my body that that is not hemorrhaging. That is our bodies double the amount of blood we have when we're pregnant and it has to come out in some form. And our bodies are wise and like with miscarriage, I believe that our bodies are doing exactly what they need to do. If the pregnancy is not viable, it doesn't mean that it's not painful. Um, but I do trust, I was trusting in, in that decision my body had made. Um, so I then had, um, and for everybody, it seems to look slightly different because our bodies are different. Our cycles are different. Um, so for me, I had waves of contractions every day for three days and then, yeah, like a heavy period in between. But I had a labor um, and the bleeding stayed for six weeks in that, um, that particular uh, miscarriage for me. And I, um, they put it down to chromosomes. I didn't have any testing done or anything. Um, and I really, that was, yeah, my first experience of true loss um, and surrender 
um, and actually trusting my body. And that was, I gave birth. So it was very healing for me, even though it was, the baby was not alive. My body labored and gave birth to my baby. Um, and for me, there was a real shift in connection that I had then to my womb in a very um, deep, yeah, it was just like a full body experience. Um, and that had been kind of taken away from me at Ada's birth. So it felt like a reclamation in some sense, um, which seems a bit weird, but it gave me um, trust that I could have a healthy pregnancy and give birth in a, um, in a more um, healing way than with Ada's birth. Um, I should say that um, after Ada's birth, I was having EMDR therapy, which was amazing and helped me move through a lot of the trauma. So leading up to that pregnancy, I felt like I had just started to, my anxiety levels were perhaps coming down, but then the miscarriage re-triggered all of that and then you get new triggers coming in. So like the blood, the um, you know, triggers for me, ultra scans, um, because the last ultra scan you've seen your baby not um, with no heartbeat. Um, so this experience, um, it was, it was really, interesting in dropping into the understanding of suffering and resilience for the first time in my life that was more than just reading and um, empathizing it was a deeper knowledge that I feel tethered me to anyone who's ever felt pregnancy loss or experienced miscarriage who has ever lived and will ever live um, really really um made me humble um and it helped me to I I was like my ego was crushed I was like I don't have a miscarriage I'm healthy you know you have all of these horrible kind of shadow elements come in um and that was also a huge lesson for me because um yeah you 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 can't take life for granted and you know assume that these things won't happen to you because that is being human and so in a way this experience just brought me down to being more human um and yeah that it gave me superpowers in terms of like how to relate to deep pain tenderness um raw grief and loss um so for that baby taught me so much. Um, and so the, 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 that's the chapter two. Um, and the chapter three would be um, my next miscarriage, which um, happened in um, January 23. So I miscarried in June, 2022. Um, and then, so this pregnancy, this pregnancy felt really different. Um, I got pregnant quickly again. Um, I just felt more symptoms in the last one. I felt more sick. I felt like um, 
more fatigue um and it just felt healthy and I I was like this is different this is going to be you know you always hope um but after loss um your pregnancy experience is so different so I was just questioning constantly um trying to still trust my body but then you're always checking for blood um every time you go to the toilet that's what I would do um and I was kind of already like sort of comparing it with my first pregnancy that was obviously so different and I was completely unaware of um these experiences um I this was a mis miscarriage which which means I I did not know I was uh, about to miscarry and we went for our 12-week scan um which was um January at the end of January this year um and just you know like I was really nervous because I already the last scan that I'd had my baby had not had a heartbeat and everyone was I had told my you know close friends and family um you know the pregnancy signs are so strong it's different this time you know I was really trying to kind of be positive but at the back of my mind um that was just still such a worry um and you can just tell straight away when they're scanning you and she said you know haven't you started bleeding and I was just like what um and I could see on the screen because I knew what a 12 you know a 12 week 13 week baby would look like from Ada and this was again like still very much um you know um not fully formed baby not moving around and um yeah I again just went into my complete like shut down mode and um so I, I hadn't started bleeding um and so here I was given like the plate the menu of options of you know the medication um or the dnc and because I'd had a, a natural miscarriage I knew what I was in for it's hugely daunting to go through that again and also the wait the waiting game so I'd known that the baby had been dead for probably two weeks by measuring so I knew by before probably about three weeks that my body had started bleeding last time might be different this time but I had that in my head so um this time I had a birth doula who turned into my miscarriage doula um we talked through those options and she is very much an advocate for natural and um had warned me about some of the um potential risks of taking the different medications and the dnc um potentially they could be more violent and obviously um more healing afterwards to the physical body i completely understand why people would take the medication to speed things up because the weight is so uncomfortable. But I knew for me that this was part of my journey and part of my um, lesson was to trust my body and to allow it to register. Um, and I didn't want to affect potentially any future 
um, fertility with the DNC with that can thin the, the lining of your womb and your cycles can take longer to come back. And so I decided to go for the natural route. Um, it was a very uncomfortable wait, um, but I didn't have to wait too long. I, I did start bleeding around the three week mark, but before that I found that um, I really needed to like release and I, I was really holding um, this pain and this, this grief. And I found myself kind of just walking in my local area. There's this circle of trees that luckily there's no houses near. I went there a lot during lockdown and I was just screaming um, and crying. And these two foxes came and I just felt the shift in I'm ready to let go. And I felt like it was quite a conscious um, release uh, because there's a point where you don't want to release that baby. Um, obviously, if you're already bleeding, which I was before, it's it's there's not that choice. Um, but I felt like this was a choice that I was letting go. Um, and that's really, again, when I started connecting to my womb space and remembering what I'd learned before. Um, I planned my miscarriage with all the tools that I'd learned before, knowing things like the music I needed, um, knowing that um, essential oils would help me anchor back, um, knowing I needed honey to give me energy when I ha had lost a lot of blood, the right type of pads, which are literally like the thickest, biggest things, dark towels on the bed, um, bone broths, um, and we literally just set it up like a birth, um, but like a birth environment. And again, my parents were there because my partner actually had a cold at that time. And we didn't, my, my dad was having um, uh, some surgery that week and we didn't want the cold to go around all of us. And he wasn't there um, physically. He was, um, and it, I was sort of very much with my parents, but it, it I, we'd done it before. And, um, um this time um I knew what to expect in terms of the blood um and the pain and I feel like that was empowering to know that but it still didn't make it easy it was still um obviously physically painful but but um painful to to lose another another pregnancy um the same thing happened it was I just fed my daughter it was about 8 p.m and I really with this one nearly passed out and my biggest worry was hemorrhaging um because I think before technically I probably had hemorrhaged but again I think medically we we do often um but it's not necessarily life-threatening I think with some of the medications it can be but with a natural miscarriage it can be slight your body sort of knows with this one I got to the point where I'd um almost passed out on the floor and I got that ringing head and everything and I crawled to bed and it was like my body knew to stop then and it was more gentle through the night um I had herbs this time so I used a lot of herbs um to um, weave into 
um, before and after. So I used mugwort, um, motherwort, which is beautiful for, for release and, and your uterus. Um, and I was drinking the herbs and uh, using them to massage my womb gently as well. And um, I listened to meditations to help me to get some sleep that night. Um, and for this miscarriage, I it was then gentle for about a week. And then the, the weirdest things started happening. Um, I would get a huge gush of blood out of nowhere um, a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later. And I ended up bleeding for 10 weeks, which, um, yeah, can be normal, but it was on this end of like, not quite normal. Um, it was, that was the most uncomfortable time for me because I was like, right, I'm in this, I'm learning the lessons, I'm surrendering, but please, can you stop now? And I, I couldn't control it. And it was like, every time I thought it would start to slow down I would be at somebody's house a family's house our family's house I would just bleed in front of everybody um and it was like my blood was like hello I want to be seen I need to be witnessed um I went to a wedding three weeks after my main miscarriage I thought things were slowing down I just had like a normal pad on dressed up and the wedding was really beautiful. It was really emotional. Um, there was so much love in the room and I felt very um, emotional. And I had another huge gush in the middle of the dance floor. Um, and a lot of people saw that happening um, and had to run to the toilet um covered in blood my whole dress was completely covered my shoes um and the bride ended up coming in and looking after me and telling me she'd had three miscarriages before um and this beautiful sharing started where women were coming in looking after me people I'd only met a few times and it was the most vulnerable thing and place to be. I ended up wearing the groom's work t-shirt and her, she's really tall, like her trousers and just coming down into the wedding party and people were just coming and hugging me. And although I was kind of mortified, I also just felt so seen. Um, and it was, there was something really beautiful about that vulnerability and that kind of honesty and how people were then sharing their experiences with me um but it was also um traumatic and so after that the PTSD started again and for example I would go out for dinner and there'd be red wine on the floor I thought it was my blood and would start apologizing and like freaking out and it was just red wine um and then I kind of realized that um yeah you're you're traumatized um this isn't um something this is something that you maybe need support with and help with because um it's starting to um stop you from living a normal life because I would almost feel like I was going mad because you have 
experienced um, these these moments that um, you become a, a vessel for life and death. I feel like we sit right on the veil when we're miscarrying, when we're creating life. Um, and you going into real life after that, you've got one foot in like the underworld. I feel like when I went, when I had my birth with Ada, I went to get her from the underworld and I didn't quite ever get out. I was always with that lens, that kind of, morbid lens um and so I realized I needed to start to um I suppose process what had happened because it had all happened in a very short period of time um another interesting thing about that miscarriage was the relationship between emotion and the bleeding which I hadn't really noticed in my first miscarriage um and my doula said to me when the bleeding had been going on for maybe five, six weeks, um, I think you need to consciously release. And I was like, what do you mean? I've been consciously releasing for six weeks. You know, I was just getting so frustrated. Like I want the bleeding to stop. I don't want to wear a pad every day. I want to wear solid underwear. <laughs> um, and she, she said, you need to really tap into yourself and those emotions that grief and you need to consciously release um I wasn't quite sure what that would look like um but I I set something up and it happened to be the day that um my granny had died the anniversary of my granny's death which was during my pregnancy with Ada so she never got to meet Ada she would have been 100 a week before Ada was born um, and it just happened to be on that day. And I sort of tapped into really her and her grief. I know she lost a twin. My dad was a twin. His his twin had died. Um, and I just got this, it was like layers and layers of grief. From, I felt like I was feeling so many different women's grief, ancestral grief, grief for how we're treated um, when we're birthing, when we're miscarrying. And I just... Um, I started crying very, very deeply sobbing and my blood just started coming out. It was like buckets like flowing with my sobbing and I ended up having to sit in the bath and kind of, it was like, the more I cried, the more I bled. And um, it was such a bizarre, it was like almost quite trippy experience. Um, but just showed me this, um yeah the the true connection um between our emotions and our physical and how that affect, how that they can have a relationship with each other and that was that was super powerful and so i could con always feel this higher intelligence at play with all of these experiences um and i think that's been the most beautiful thing is um, trusting those uncomfortable moments and trusting the mystery, um, sitting with those really uncomfortable feelings um, at the edges of where I thought I could, what I could cope with. Um, and I feel like, like, 
a kind of a vessel for this alchemy to happen and if we allow it to and we're we're feeling it and we're experiencing it with my PTSD going back in and somatically feeling these these things um has allowed it to kind of move from trauma to um more positive emotions um and the the need and want to talk about these experiences and connect with others and to make sure that everybody is supported when going through these initiations um so yeah i think for me um coming back around to the, the first part um there was no doubt that i i knew i wanted to work with women who had experienced loss um pregnancy loss because the doula for me was um such a big piece to my second miscarriage and just the support the honoring the witnessing the bearing witness to your story the empowering um being spoken to being respected um rather than the disempowering medical speak that I'd had it just brought me back to life and even though it was a raw experience and a painful one um I I now don't feel traumatized by what happened to me it's yes there's still triggers but I was more traumatized by Ada's birth than than the miscarriages um so yeah I I found your um your course and it it really tied into the work that I'd already done um and it was yeah it was a real um joy to to do your course and it was so informative but also just um so respectful of um language used um yeah but absolutely um healing for me to even to do the course and um yeah I feel like um it it's completely now makes sense why I originally was so connected to doing the death doula course and it's kind of come full circle um I am still really enjoying um connecting to my um my womb space my body and I'm I'm working on the healing side of things and um I feel like I'm not ready to be trying to get pregnant again um until I um yeah have got to I can hear my baby call. that's why I'm distracted oh, um, no. <laughs> I think it's because I'm in the room next to her she'll probably settle down in a minute um but yeah I I feel um if I do try again I I want to try um when I'm not still in the trauma space and I've still got a little way to go um I I'm not quite there yet um so yeah that's I think me yeah that's your your story so far you know it's uh it's it's hard I know a lot of people reach out and they say I don't know if my story is worth being told until 
I have a living child after loss. And I always tell them that it's so important to share in the moment. So I'm, I'm so honored to have heard your story. And, you know, I, I appreciate you talking about the blood. That's something that as gruesome and, and hard as it is, it's something I'm so passionate about. It's what started me in this space because nobody would talk about the blood. And mm. I felt very similar to you to where I was like, there's no way that this is safe for me to lose so much blood yeah. um, because everybody tells you it's a heavy period. <laughs> and so whenever you see the amount of blood, you're like, obviously I'm dying. And yeah. it's hard to understand that that is unfortunately what is to be expected with miscarriage. It's just, um, I don't know, it's, it sucks to have to go through it. Um, I'm glad that the course was healing for you. It, language mm -hmm. is really important to me. Um, like I, I talk about in the course, I talk about here. Um, and the course that we are referring to is the Miscarriage Doula Collective certification yeah. course. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. Um, oh, you should. But uh, yeah, I'm not very good at sharing the things I have going on. Um, but it's important to me that we call it first trimester birth and second trimester birth, yeah. whether it's by a procedure, by intervention, um, without intervention at home. You know, birth comes in all shapes and sizes. And unfortunately, sometimes birth happens when a baby is not alive. And um, I think if we talk about these things, it, it helps fight against the stigma. And that's what at the end of my life, I hope I can look back and be like, the stigma of miscarriage lessened over time. Um, that's always a goal. Yeah, I think we're getting there. It's, um, there's so much, um, it's like, yeah, so many women feel they've, they've failed. And actually, I really do think that our body is doing exactly um, what it needs to do. I trust nature. I, I get so much comfort in the cycles of, you know, just the seasons and even when you plant seeds like I love gardening um they don't all grow into beautiful flowers um it's it's life it's what it is to be human um but it 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 is a super painful and you know I there's no um this is worse this you know everybody's right. valid um and yeah, I, ha I have friends who I know um, almost, I would say friends, but um, maybe acquaintances after my miscarriages definitely like kept a bit of a distance because they feel like you're like a bad luck omen or, you know, you feel like you're sort of. Um, you have a dark cloud over you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I also had so many people. Um, when I was just talking about it and being honest, um, friends that I didn't realize, one friend had had five miscarriages. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I wasn't aware. Um, and that's actually, <clears throat> I've just remembered one more thing I wanted to say if I have time, take yeah. maybe one minute. Um, with the PTSD, your cortisol levels are so high um obviously adrenaline when that first happens when the loss first happens but I feel like it's important to mention the balance of hormones and how that can disrupt um and I just you know having tests after the second loss there was no like they couldn't work out why I had a miscarriage it could be chromosomes it could be my progesterone levels and they've recommended progesterone if I try again and then the, so I started looking into it and I've been doing some herbalism courses 
herbalism courses as you guys call it um, <laughs> and I didn't know this um but you so cortisol can um piggyback off progesterone so if your adrenals run out of cortisol because you've been running on it for so long because you have trauma it will steal from progesterone which could potentially be a reason why I miscarried the second uh, the second and third time because I was still traumatized it might not be I don't they can't confirm that because they didn't test my progesterone levels before and after and during but to me that sort of makes sense um which I think is a really important thing to just be aware of um because I um obviously now that there's natural things you can do as well as taking the progesterone like seed cycling and what you eat can affect your hormones so I think it's just really good to kind of look at every angle and just be a real detective when you're having a miscarriage there's so many um elements that can be out of kilter um and sometimes it's just they don't I say they, I mean, the medical professionals don't look that deeply um, into your mental health as well as your physical health. And I think mental health can really affect um, our bodies choose um, survival over thrival. So if we're pregnant and we feel like our body thinks there's an immediate threat, it's going to get rid of that pregnancy. And I think potentially um, that could have happened to me. I don't know. It might, might not have, but it it kind of makes sense. And I think just being aware of that for me, I'm like the healing um, that we need to do in between pregnancies can be um, important for some people, for some people not, they can get pregnant straight away and that maybe doesn't play into it. Um, and I just remember one more thing that was um, when I had my 10 weeks bleeding, I had a scan in the end and they told me I'd, I'd ovulated. And I just thought that was really interesting because I didn't know you could ovulate while miscarrying um no one told me that and I just think that's fascinating that we can simultaneously be healing as well as still shedding um so they could see that had happened which obviously was reassuring for me um but there's yeah there's just so much to say isn't there and I think um I got most of it out <laughs> <laughs> But it is, and and hormones are. I'm a. Uh, uh, I struggled with infertility, and my my main reason for infertility is my hormones are just completely out of whack at at any given time. And mm -hmm. um, as somebody who struggles with OCD, doing things like focusing on my diet was really harmful to my mental health. And so for me, I had to lean into mm -hmm. the medical care, but I also had to fight really hard for that medical care. And so it's like you're saying where we have to ask a lot of questions. We have to do our own research and that can be really hard. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's exhausting. And it, it's, it's hard to know like that things can be done, but we have to figure out what they are and we might yeah. be wrong the first time, but the second time, you know, we could be onto something. Um, yeah, I think a woman's body is just so complicated and there's so, so many elements that have to be just perfect to welcome life. And, um, yeah, it's all consuming and very confusing. And it's, uh, it's something I wish that we were taught more <laughs> in school instead of just learning about condoms and that sex yeah. equals a baby. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's so hard teach us about death they don't teach us about um no. these these huge initiations in life and um 
Yeah, there's a lot wrong with. Um, I think that's something that America and England share. We have um, no these things. We uh, are not taught about death, and you know, I think that um, our parents' generations probably steered away from talking about death because they thought it was too dark for children. But um, I've experienced a lot of grief in my life, a lot of trauma, and nobody taught me how to deal with it. I've had to. I'm 30 and I'm trying to learn how to deal with it, you know, in real time. Um, and I wish, I, I think that a goal for me with my living children is always to talk about, you know, these hard things that way they don't grow up and they're not uncomfortable when somebody around them experiences it, because, you know, that's, you know, talking about your acquaintances that took a step back, it's usually because they're uncomfortable with the topic of miscarriage. And so they don't bring it up. And, mm-hmm they're uncomfortable because they don't know what to say or you know maybe they aren't taught about these things um so yeah but having conversations like this is really what you know it helps us move forward and it helps that stigma become a little bit less and so I'm so thankful for you sharing your story um and I think it's so important to I like that you touched on that even though miscarriage obviously was terrible and traumatizing and horrible Mm. there's also some redemption in giving birth at home after your Mm. c-section with your daughter so um, I think it's it's complicated as I like to say it is um and it definitely for me um and I know for a lot of women it it won't be this but it was a rebirth um for for myself um a big initiation um and something that I'll always honor these babies through the work that I do but also I I I do still sometimes feel pregnant with them because they're so with me that the lessons that they've taught me are almost um they've been my biggest teachers these these babies that I never got to meet and so I am grateful um to them and I respect um their journey so much and um karmically I hope that yeah that they're learning their lessons wherever they need to be too I love that Uh, I love thinking that because I I always say that this work is in honor of the babies I've lost and so I like thinking of them as teachers in a way yeah they've been my biggest teachers and and obviously our living children are too Um, but almost these these babies more you know when everything goes well and everything's perfect I feel like um in a way maybe we're not living life to the fullest I feel like um loss can bring bring this spectrum of emotions that um it really does um give us that human experience and I keep saying human um but I think loss is um it just it gives you this depth that um it has given me a depth that I didn't have before. So um, I feel like I am a better person now due to the losses that I've experienced. Um, so I accept them and um, yeah, I, I feel thankful that um, I feel thankful that there's people like you doing this work and that we we're raising the vibration together. Yeah. Well, you're starting to do the work too by taking the course. So thank you yes. in return. And from being here, you know, you're playing a huge part in that. So I say thank you right back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Arden.